0: Welcome to another episode of the Impropod podcast. My guest today is John Inder. So you're a nutritional advisor and musicologist, would you say?
1: Yeah, I've done some health writing and nutrition and herbal medicine and stuff. That's my day job. And then um, creatively, I'm a singer, songwriter and percussionist. You work in uh, Green Life in in Tottenham? Yeah, I work in Green Life, yeah marketing officer there.
0: And you you run a band called The Bridge? Yeah, an eight piece soul funk,
1: eclectic mix of stuff really.
0: So I'm going to play you a piece of music and it's completely improvised. Okay. And I want you to tell me what it makes you think of. So that could be any kind of thoughts, emotions, ideas that come into your mind.
1: Or did that make you think of what came to mind? I think a sort of a moment of realisation and it had a point in it where there seemed to be a breakthrough so it had that sense of someone op- opening out.
0: Was anything more specific that came to mind? So.
1: Not really, no. The other thing for me is when I hear a bit of music my brain starts firing off lyrical ideas and that's just because of writing songs with other people and being a poet. I respond to melody and melody and word are very closely linked. I love a lot of piano music that is sort of tone poems. Did you have any lyrical ideas for that piece? In terms of how I would develop a song on that, that there would be an idea of someone coming to a realisation about maybe a relationship with somebody and there being a breakthrough moment. And it had that sense to me. And then opening out where it gets more expansive after that. Given time, I would Mm. work an idea Uh, into that.
0: So I'd like you to tell me a story of some kind, and then I'm going to break the story down into
1: sections and improvise a soundtrack to the story. Okay, so when I was younger, I was a member of the Sea Cadets in Dartmouth, where I grew up, and had the opportunity to go on a square-rigged ship for a week. And we went on the TS Royalist from Portsmouth out to Alderney in the Channel Islands. And when we got there, we were told we didn't have any time on shore because we had to turn back quite quickly because there was a storm going to be chasing us and as we headed back across the channel it caught us while I was actually on watch and was sat at the the back of the ship strapped down with a safety strap and uh, the experience as the storm hit us and seeing the waves rise up like cliffs taking out the stars covering them and then um, the stars would reappear again. Just seeing the shadows at that point, feeling the immense energy of the storm, then getting hit with warm water, which I'm imagining was the sort of kinetic energy of the the water being moved around by the turbulence of the storm. And then seeing these waves finally illuminated as we approached uh, Portsmouth and the light of the lighthouse there started to illuminate the deck and everyone on the ship watching the full-time members of the crew skidding across the square rigging and furling in the sails without harnesses, seeing the, them illuminated against the dark and the cliffs of, of waves that were all around. I was very comfortable, huddled and watching everything, taking it all in. And then I got hit by a couple of waves and shifted position and then started to get wet and started shivering and was shivering all the way into Portsmouth. And then when we approached Portsmouth as dawn broke, I went into the cabin and had the best cup of hot chocolate of my life after having got through that experience. Just to be in a high storm like that was something that, as an imaginative young kid, it stayed with me all my life. First of all, you've got the initial, the
0: build of the storm. And then you've got this idea of not being able to see the waves. It's dark. And then the crew running about on the rigging. And then the wet patch, (laughs) you get hit by this wave. And then the cup of cocoa. All right. So how did
1: that reflect your experience? The initial build was really lovely, yeah, and the rhythm of the waves moving and cutting across each other. Mm. I could feel that. The only thing I would say at the very end, which maybe I didn't express well, there was a sense of real clarity, that beautiful clear light and the, and the calmness. Just at the very end, just that sense of it just being, yeah, calm again and and the brightness of that. Does that reflect clarity for you? Yeah, that's beautiful. Totally that feeling of morning light and that dramatic shift of it. Yeah, that dropping away and there just being a sense of calm and light. I was going for the idea of the swell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the end of that bit there, was, I think the, the waves were bigger too, which is good.
0: Just to point out, the pheasants tend to get a kick out of landing on the top of the roof and then sliding down the roof (laughs) until they get to the bottom.
1: That's the roof noise. Are you telling me another story? Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Another key memory for me was many years after that first encounter was traveling in Egypt. After I'd finished university, I went and spent time in Israel on a kibbutz and then traveled on my own into Egypt for a couple of weeks. One of the real powerful memories for me was sailing on a felucca down the Nile and passing these painted buildings, which were essentially non-major tombs and bits of architecture by the side of the Nile. And then with there just being desert out beyond and then camping at night, sleeping on the boat, moored up against the riverside and walking out onto the desert And just looking out and seeing shooting stars, just raining down and seeing more stars than I'd ever seen. And I grew up in Devon, so I saw lots of stars as a child. Just the southern hemisphere and seeing the desert sky was absolutely staggering. But it was combined. (laughs) I'd had some Nile water accidentally that the captain's son who was on the boat crewing it with us had filled up our water bottles and I was violently sick so I had this experience of going up onto the side of the Nile and being sick and being a lot of discomfort and then looking up and seeing shooting stars and literally going and then looking up and going, wow oh wow (laughs) just a kind of bizarre extremes of emotion at the same time but that's a favorite story of mine yeah I think you don't realise how important the Nile is until you pick a boat on it. There's a thing about, there's rivers, isn't it? And human beings have lived by rivers and been nourished by rivers. The lifeblood of such an incredible culture. And what you also see in Egypt when you're away from the Nile itself is the desert on either side and the fertility stops and it turns to desert. And it's the Nile is, it's, it's absolutely crucial for obviously the agriculture and for the at that time, civilization to, to flourish.
0: So, back to your story then, I'm gonna go yeah. for um, you're on this
1: boat. What kind of boat was it? A felucca, which is a small sailboat okay. with, a, with a single sail, beautiful white sail, mm. and very small crew. And there was a Captain Mohammed and his son were our crew, and it was just myself and another fellow traveler, someone I'd met
0: whilst traveling. So you're on the boat,
1: you're looking at these tombs,
0: having a good time, and then it starts to get dark and you get these amazing stars, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then because of the dodgy water, you've got this weird I- paradox. <laughs> That's
1: What were your thoughts on that? I could hear the sunlight on the water in the early Mm. part of it and then obviously the disturbance (laughs) (laughs) and the contrast between that and the the stars. I could see them twinkling, Yeah, but whether we need to add a shooting star or two, Mm.
0: because
1: that was the other experience is the speed of them moving and the the race of those. Yeah, I was... Trying to go for that. But yeah, I think I heard it a little bit. So
0: shooting star, because it's
1: such a sudden thing, isn't it? And it's sort of bright light. But it was the frequency of them, that's why I Mm. didn't explain very well. It was almost like a bombardment. The skies were just electric with light. It was was jaw-dropping. So musically,
0: a shooting star for me is maybe... Nothing, because they're, not, yeah. they're not rhythmically consistent, are they? You're absolutely right, there's no rhythmical kind of nature to it. I was trying to go for Egyptian, but without going harmonic minor scale, because yeah. that's just <laughs> so cheesy when you go... Yeah,
1: It's Lawrence of Arabia kind of stuff, though. So. Yeah, it wasn't that feeling anyway. It's brightness and light was the kind of chief mm. thing, and seeing the tombs, it's the presence of the past which we take it for granted when you walk around the countryside here and we see norman castles around us remains of megalithic culture and stuff i wrote a poem at the time about the feeling being the same years later when i went to silbury and seeing silbury hill and seeing all of the kind of megalithic stuff there around avebury and having that same feeling that i got when i was in egypt when i traveled there when i was off to university and for that sort of presence of the ancient when that sense of continuity you get with that is quite profound to be looking at something that's been there for three or four thousand years Mm. yeah and it's quite reassuring in a way uh, human culture the continuity do you feel like reflected that in the music the sense of the present ancient yeah it's a tricky thing i definitely got the light and then i got the stars i'm not sure about the the presence of the it's not tombs as in it wasn't macabre in any way because it was just seeing the painted buildings and just thinking oh my god that's Paint that's been there for a couple of thousand years. That's quite bonkers. And the brightness of the, the pigment is still there. That sharp vibe, for some reason,
0: conveys a mm. sense of magnitude, anyway. Something big that is yeah. not necessarily obvious, but it's there, it's a presence yeah. of something. Yeah.
1: agree with that Uh, yeah definitely you've immediately got that sense of story and your imagination is yeah fired by that so uh, what, what did you get out of this podcast i've always found piano to be one of the most expressive instruments and the visual imagery i get when i hear piano and to hear that married up to a couple of memories is really nice and given significantly more time you could definitely structure much more of a comprehensive story around any of these things yeah it's fascinating to me to see how your creative muscles work in terms of interpreting a couple of visual imageries and a few kind of short bits of information and Hmm. suddenly knowing what to do in terms of key choices and and things to get the emotional weight and to get the right kind of pitch but even though I enjoy writing music I rely on other people to know i no, you know you want C major is going to be the thing for that, or no, mm. we have want a minor key here. Don't speak the language well no. enough, unfortunately. I'm fine with rhythm and texture and stuff, but it's lovely to hear how you're able to translate. If I was to ask you to translate some
0: of that onto a percussion instrument, mm. do you think you could do that? Like shooting
1: stars? Stars, actually, that but that's a tougher one because mm. I think piano without being cliched about it you can twinkle on a piano <laughs> a lot more easily than you can on a cowbell in terms of rhythms of the sea and rhythms of winds and stuff from the earlier story definitely obviously you can express things with percussion and with mm-hmm. washes of shakers and things like that and that's something i i would love to do more of one of my favorite percussionists um carlinos brown a brazilian percussionist does some amazing stuff on bebel Gaberto's brilliant album Tanto Tempo and he just expresses so much sound like of a summer just on different percussive, percussive sounds with shakers.
0: Thank you very much for being on the podcast. No, thank you. It's been, been a nice pleasure. pleasure. Join us next week for another episode of Impropod. Thanks for listening. I'll leave you with some of John and me improvising on his story about being in a storm on a square-sailed ship.